Take two. Hey, look, there's Manny. Hey, Shiwu. What up? Oh, yours working too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the audio sounds pretty good too, except for the crickets in the background because Patrick's outside because his wife hates him. I can hear those (laughs) crickets. I thought it was because I was outside, but I don't have any crickets. I'm outside too. I live so far away from Manny, I don't know how I have crickets. (laughs) We don't. You guys we don't have crickets because we don't have trees. You guys need a podcast room. We do. All right, Those crickets are terrible. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I actually have a podcast room. Um, Matt, you starting us off? I'll do it. All right, let's get us going. Let's do it. Welcome to week two of the Stinky, Dirty, Nasty <laughs> Dynasty podcast. I'm going faster paced this week because I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> this is Shiwoo. Coming to you live from the prairie in Amarillo. Tonight we're going to talk dynasty trade strategy. And specifically, we're going to talk how not to handle trade strategy. We didn't have Chris Pace, so we couldn't handle the worst trade offerer. But we had the second best option, which is P-dubs, and how not to make trade offers. So, and then at the end, we'll have a little bonus coverage for you. So, I don't know. Should we give the floor to P-Dubs first to try to defend himself? Or should we just like well, start mounting up Matt, evidence against him? Matt, I think, I think lay out some stats. Just, uh, I, I, think, I think maybe the number of completed trades for everybody on the podcast in the last 180 days. That, that, that's a good point. We, we looked at this this morning because we like to talk trash to each other about who makes trades, who doesn't make trades. So we looked at it the last 90 days, the last 180 days. So the last 180 days – TK has made, what did we decide, 17 trades? No. Manny, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Manny has made 14 trades. Shiwu has made seven trades. And P-Dubs has made three. Despite making a multitude of offers in the interim. And he doesn't understand why no one will trade with him. And so part of this is to educate the public on how to look at dynasty trades in general and part of it is to educate p-dub so that if he wants to trade with his league mates how to do it before before we go much further can we just kind of recap uh my team and and let everybody let let everyone i'm not talking about my ring y'all can talk about it all you want i just want to talk about my team and let everyone know what we're dealing with here before we uh i think that's a good idea and i'll step in as Manny, who has made 14 trades, and my team is fucking trash, and I've made a lot of trades building for the future. So I, I think an important role in completing trades is knowing your team, your dynamic, and what you are hoping to accomplish not only now but in the future. I'm not playing for now. I'm playing for the next five, six, seven years. So I'm making a lot of trades because I'm willing to trade future pieces today or current pieces today that are valuable right now for some future assets. And current valuable assets are easier to trade than future assets. Dubs has a stacked team right now and really doesn't need to make a lot of moves to improve his team. So the fact that he's made fewer trades I think is pretty reasonable just based on his roster and what he's looking to accomplish (laughs) 
Dubs, do you want to defend yourself? Or are you too busy watching TV? I, I, I am not. I don't have a TV on. All, all I have is air conditioners and crickets in my in my background noise. I hear I hear somebody's TV in the background. Sure so, I'm I'm trying to study the Packers and the Steelers. My my team is set with a running back stable of Gurley, number one player in dynasty football, uh, Dalvin Cook, Jarek McKinnon. Marshawn Lynch handed up my running backs, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Keelan Cole, Rob Woods, handing out my wide receiver ranks. Those guys, we can start, I think, eight of those guys, a lot of them. And so, I mean, that that's basically my team that, that led me to last year's championship without Odell Beckham and without uh, Dalvin Cook for the majority of the season. Plus, I have two. 2019 firsts and two 2019 seconds. So, are you, are you done roster baiting? Yeah, the roster baiting has to end. Now. Okay, so uh, I, I, I'm, I'm done roster baiting, but I also want to say this that when I make trade offers, I try and acquire players, and it's always a consolidation mode. So, I try and move, you know, one or two or three of my assets for one that I can throw in my starting lineup because there's no reason to, to, to get someone who's going to just sit on the bench. Well, okay, let's 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 talk about that. So, how has that approach worked for you? <laughs> well, I got Odell Beckham that way. No, no, you didn't consolidate for Odell Beckham. You traded two first Corey Davis for for Odell Beckham, which is a fair trade. And, Isn't and, that consolidation? And, and though, that two picks and a and player for Odell done, Beckham. That wasn't done within the last 180 days. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What I'm y'all y'all got to be able to trash talk my trading ability better than this, right? Well, we're just, we're trying we're trying to give you a chance to 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 figure out what you're trying to do. Because I'm trying to get quality assets that'll help me win this year and next year. And so I'm trying to get Doug Baldwin, who's 29 on Mansfield's team, that admittedly is trash. Um, and he's rebuilding, so there's no reason to have a 29-year-old wide receiver. Which, um, but he won't even make a counter offer that isn't the kitchen sink. So let's maybe because he's let's, getting better offers from me. Let's look at this offer. So Doug Baldwin is 29. That I mean, arguably has three very productive seasons ahead of him. Maybe four, maybe five. Who knows? He has a very good young quarterback, and your offers have been. Two future second round draft picks, of which already own the 2020 draft and have plenty of 2019 draft assets. So, I mean, those extra picks in 2019 and 2020 of second round picks are useless for a arguably top 15 dynasty wide receiver. Certainly a top 24 dynasty wide receiver. I'm not trading him for that. I'm not going to counter for that terrible offer so here's 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 my here it's not a complaint but here's here's my thought and this is what i do whenever i go into a trade and you know my my situation is much different than patrick's i'll say that because i got last the last two years so i had to do a lot of things to change my team around which i think i've done a pretty good job of but what i do when i look for a trade partner is I look to see, one, what do I need? 
And then two, what do they need? And my typical approach is either a text message or an email or something. And I say, hey, your team is shitty as it comes to wide receivers. My team is shitty as it comes to running backs. Let's make a deal. Let's make something happen to make both of our teams better. I've had pretty good luck with this approach. And I find that people are more willing to counter or discuss when you do that instead of just throwing some one-sided bullshit uh, trade rate proposal. Okay, so ask, ask, why don't you ask Manny what the subject line of the last trade I sent him for Baldwin said? Well, why don't you ask him? You're on, you're on the pod, too. Manny well, I mean, I can, I can, Manny I can tell know. you what he, it says. He didn't pay attention. It, it says <laughs> Baldwin's, Baldwin's age of 29 does not fit with your roster. Honestly, what do you want for him? That's true, and I and I sent you a trade offer right after that. It was like three first round picks. <laughs> yeah, three future first round picks, which is a reasonable. <laughs> I mean, like twenty twenty one. Those assets to you, you had you asked for two twenty nineteen first and a twenty nineteen or a twenty twenty first. Okay. Fair. Fair offer. Fair offer. <laughs> <laughs> You want to hear what it's not a, a fair offer? Offering Austin Eckler a first round pick and a second round pick for Devontae Freeman. I got you know, that offer. Matt, last night. I don't. I don't actually think that's an unfair offer. I think it's a bad situation. You're a win now team. That doesn't True. help you. But Patrick's Austin Eckler's worthless. Patrick's a win now team. That helps. He's not him. Austin Eckler's not worthless if Melvin Gordon gets hurt. Yeah, but that's. I mean, and he's young. Which in a different league, I did make a trade to get Austin Eckler. I didn't really give up anything for him, like a another scrubby backup running back. But I wanted Austin Eckler because I had Melvin Gordon, so I had saw some value in him as an asset in Dynasty and went for it. And Patrick, I mean, I think I think by and large your approach is is, is flawed. I mean, yeah, sometimes you probably. <laughs> reach out to people and actually think about it. But I think for the most part, your goal is I need to have young studs at every single position, which is a fine goal to have, but it's just really hard to trade for them. You've got to find, you've got to find that owner who's, who's, who's real willing to take a risk, who's willing to gamble, who's willing to, you know, say turn an L- Odell into what turned up, turned into being um, Odell for, uh, Corey Davis, Duke Johnson, and Saquon. That's what that trade ended up being. Um, you know, not too bad, but it was a risk. I, don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but, I mean, the only the only guys on my roster who are, you know, don't have another three or four or five probably good years in them are basically Marshawn Lynch. Um and, and the rest of those guys. So, I mean, I, I got a team that's ready to win for the next couple of years. And so, you know, I try and make a deal with Shiwu and, and, you know, he wants me to give up either Tyreek or Evans or Dalvin Cook, but he won't put any of his studs on the table to, to make sure a deal. I but th- I mean, that's a hard deal for you two to complete a trade. I mean, we, we did our power yeah. rankings last week, and we have you guys as one and two. You guys are the most likely to win this year and probably next year for that matter. And so for you two to be able to complete a trade, it's got to be truly mutually beneficial or at least – 
seen that way by each of you. And that, that's, that's hard to do, especially when you're trading, you know, stud players as you guys happen to have. Now, yeah, next I, I year, when you were looking that. at the 2020 draft class and how deep that is, I'm going to be able to do what TK has done with his team just recently, where he accumulated a ton of draft picks and was able to turn those draft picks into a Devonte Adams, a Jarvis Landry. I mean, those are two huge assets that he was able to acquire by trading future draft picks and has totally transformed his team in a short, short time frame. Well, the la- the, uh, and I agree with that. The last thing I will say in my defense is I do respond to trade offers. I usually <laughs> counter to trade offers and I do make a shit ton of trade offers. Fair enough. Fair enough. In, in so I'm, I'm not the guy who's going to, who's going to sit there and, have a trade sit in my inbox for a week and not respond to it. I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Since like a week ago. <laughs> I admittedly was that guy for a while. Let's move on to another subject, unless you don't want to bag on my team some more. Well, your, no, team's, we want... your team's oh, great. I, your team well, is I, great. I would say one last thing. I think our league's unique. We're all friends. We all see each other socially or in a work environment on a very regular basis. So we have open dialogue constantly, which is why the four of us have been able to complete like 30 trades in the last 180 days when the season hasn't even been going on. I think, (laughs) I think that's, I think that's a pretty unique situation. I feel like 30 trades in a five year span is probably impressive for a lot of different leagues. Right. It's fun. Trading's fun. It's the best. It was fun. All right, Mr. Dynasty. Mr. Rogers, what's our next topic? Well, all I really wanted to do was bag on P-dubs for a while. Yeah, and y'all didn't do a very good job of that. Y'all could have y'all could have got a lot lower under the belt. In in my de- in my defense, I haven't had that many beers tonight. And we're also nice because we like you. Yeah. So let's talk about this then. Who I know it's early, but you guys tell me what rookie has impressed you the most so far. You want me to start? Go for it. You know, my uh, um, my, my initial impression, and I kind of got excited about uh, Dion Kane because it sounded like that guy was kind of killing it in practice. He blew his ACL out, so he's obviously gone, so that was kind of disheartening to me. But I thought that guy would be a, a quality middle, third-round rookie dynasty pick. Um, outside of him, uh, a guy I took, DJ Chark, has been very impressive in Jaguars practice. Of course, he's got Blake Bortles and, and a stud receiver named Keelan Cole around him, but <laughs> he, he, he's he's probably not going to be a great asset this year, but he, he's something to hold for for the future. Um, don't tell Evan Silva I talked about uh, old Keelan Cole because he'll get all upset. But that's, that, that's the guy who, who I, I'm impressed with. Manny? Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas Goder. I don't think he's going to have a ton of opportunity necessarily, just because obviously Zach Ertz is a stud at tight end. But I think, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey potentially being injured for some significant period of time, plus he's, you know, 90-year-old rubber band hamstrings, uh, 
Wentz is going to throw the ball around. Aguilar has been injured. I think Godert's going to be a red zone target in the end zone. I think you know all accounts of him this preseason have been very positive as a asset. He's he's kind of that guy that he's he was people dynasty guys were really excited about going into the draft and then got down on because of his landing spot and sure. being behind Ertz. But I, I still think he's going to be a viable asset. I mean, if you think of Hunter Henry behind Antonio Gates for a period there, I mean, obviously that hasn't materialized necessarily, but people are still super excited about Hunter Henry, even though he's missing this year. I think Dallas Godert is one of those guys that is definitely a dynasty kind of diamond in the rough type that, you know, a year two, maybe three, which a lot of times tight ends don't materialize till year three anyway. Down the road, who knows where Ertz ends up and what the contract situations end up like. He he's a guy that, that I like a lot. You love tight ends. It was a tight end. Tight ends tight butts. Tight ends <laughs> tight butts. Grunk. <laughs> grunk smash. Um, grunk party cruise. Did you go to Brown? Uh you went to Brown. <laughs> Tight butt. <laughs> Loose butt. <laughs> TK, what about you? Yeah, so I'm going to go with someone that actually I don't even even know that I've said his name to the three of you. I've been kind of keeping tight-lipped about him. Uh, but, you know, since we're on a podcast, I might as well say it to the entire fucking league. Um, <clears throat> he was a seventh-round pick for the 49ers, a guy by the name of Richie James. And uh, he played at Middle Tennessee State. Um He's apparently just a freak athlete, but he is turning heads with the 49ers. Um, you know, they drafted Dante Pettis. They've, they've got kind of a high-powered offense. But a lot of my analytic guys that, that, that track route trees and, and, and look at uh, breakout performance based off of age and uh, your college stats based off of, you know, how you're going to perform in the NFL – they model him really, really high. Um, and so he's one to watch. He's kind of a sleeper, but he has done enough, I think, to make the team will probably be the fourth or fifth receiver this year. But I wouldn't be surprised. You know, just I'm going to keep that name in mind. I wouldn't be surprised if Richie James was uh, relevant. In, I like in the your next Richie three James take, actually. Typically, after round three, wide receivers don't pan out in the NFL. But, I mean, if you look at the 49ers, Garcon is – talk about an old wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin is actually way older than people think. And you've got Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor. I mean, he's he's in a decent spot there. And, and um, um, he's also got Garoppolo thrown to him, which, you know, in in the bad thing. Y'all don't want to get me started on on the 49ers offense, but along those lines, uh, you know, Trent Taylor has really kicked some ass this preseason. He did he the same no thing last Patrick. preseason. He, he He's no not rookie. a rookie. He was a rookie last year, and he got hurt, and he got thrown on my taxi squad, but they said he's lighting it up in camp um, and probably Garoppolo's number one favorite target. I, I haven't read They've that. They've not seen that anywhere. No, I've heard that it's been good. I've one, seen that about a couple of other of those wide I, receivers. I, I think Roto not World him. Today, today said that they were meshing well, but not number one favorite target. 
<laughs> uh, what what what's your what what does Sherwood have, Dad? Uh, so I've got I've got two. I've got one which would be Wait, hold on. Ho- hold on. Let me let me guess one of these is gonna be Carrie on Johnson. Absolutely it is. <laughs> okay. That guy that guy y'all y'all were down on him. Everybody everybody thought he was the, the worst of the stud running backs coming out in this class, and I was always about him and got him at eight. And he's been showing that he's more than just a between the tackles runner. And, you know, he, the Detroit situation right now is weird with Theo Riddick, Mary Abdullah, LeGarrette Blunt, and him. But he's been turning heads, and I think by the middle of the year, even this year, he'll be the guy. But random one, if you watch the Vikings game. Yes. And yes. Rock Thomas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this guy. He – Went for what 102 yards and three catches, and then had 29 yards rushing. Rushing now, granted, he was later in the game, was going against some of the scrub backups, but in like the the deeper sleeper type analysis, he might be the guy. Like he could be like the Jarrett McKinnon type um, counter to uh, your Dalvin Cook. In you, mean, you mean he could be so, Matt Asiata's backup? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, that those would be those would be my two guys. And yes, I'm a homer on the Kyrian Johnson thing, admittedly. Yeah, but uh, Rock Thomas, man, he's he's definitely an explosive, exciting player to watch. That, if nothing else, that's that's what what makes the preseason fun is seeing guys like him that make an impact and all of a sudden all are on an NFL roster. Is he a rookie? Yep. Yes. Okay. So, um, all right. So next week podcast coming out Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to discuss kind of the first half of the preseason games. We finished um, training camps where we got the first round of cuts. We'll have a little bit more analysis on guys we're seeing. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to hit, we're not going to talk a lot about Todd Gurley or David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott. Unless they get hurt, we're going to talk more other guys we've seen in camp um, after these first couple games. we Appreciate you guys listening. StinkyDirtyNasty.com. Go to the website. Don't Google it. You'll get in trouble. Sure as hell, don't Google it from your work computer. You might get fired. But the website is safe. It is. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Reddit. Come read our rankings. Come tell us we're awesome. Tell us we suck. We'll counter back at you. All in good fun. Um, Don't expect perfect grammar. Yeah, yeah if, and, if and, you don't, and don't grammar, expect don't an here. edited podcast. This is all live. One cut, we, we one do everything take. pretty much drunk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. And be be on the lookout for a badass logo. Yeah, oh yeah, coming to a city near you. That's right. probably some t-shirts, some hats, some koozies will be for Get sale. Get your on the stinky website dirty merch. That's right. Get your merch. All right. All that right. Was, that was fun, Mister Rogers. You did good. Thanks. All right, we out.